0: Hey, who likes a deep proverb? Hmm, I've plucked some juicy ones from cultures around the world. And see if you can find the theme here. We'll start with a Christian classic, shall we? Who knows this one? Berzel chadad, chadad, Anybody? Good one, I hey. am. Uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This Gaelic one took me all week to figure out. Erska' achela awere nadena. It is in each other's shadow that people live. Shadow meaning shielded from the sun, sheltered. Uh-huh. Head over to Africa in Swahili. Let those who are with me be healed. And last, back to Aotearoa in Te Reo Maori. Ma ka, sorry, Ma Mua Kakite Amuri, Ma Kaora Amua. Those who lead give sight to those who follow, and those who follow give life to those who lead. So, Proverbs. We hear them, and they sound profound, but it does take effort to chew on them and internalize them. They convey rich wisdom passed down through the ages. And in this case, the message this morning is that we need each other. We need community. And so we're in week four in our vision series this morning. What is Vineyard Church all about? And the vision is Jesus. But today, the message is Jesus and community. So we're going to go through three things today. One, we'll talk about how God, uh, God's intention and design for all of us is to live in community. How community fuels transformation. And what does community look like here at Bay Vineyard Church? And last will be a time to respond as well. So number one, community is God's intention and design. I want to walk you through this. Now, there was a time when a call to community would have been like reminding people to drink water and breathe air. Basically, every culture since the dawn of time has woven community into the heart of their values. It's only really in the last 200 years that Western secular narrative has cast doubt on that concept. So, in the 19th century, we saw the dawn of individualism, like the 1800s, which, in brief, powerful individuals accomplish greatness on their own strength, favouring individual freedom over the collective. It just feels normal now. Just bring to mind any major action movie, John Wick, Kill Bill, Taken, Transporter, James Bond, Jason Bourne, Iron Man, Thor, Batman, Superman, and Jack Reacher. Come on, Mike. One guy, skill, strength, resolve, makes it happen, we all cheer. And at least until recently, there was a common sense of shared values, like we could more or less agree on what these guys were fighting for, but flash forward to the 21st century where we live now, and we have now moved beyond a shared framework of values to the idea that The values themselves are defined individually. That's called expressive individualism. And we now swim in a world that broadcasts the idea that each of us should act on our own uniqueness and fulfill our own personal desire. Or, said another way, that authenticity is achieved by acting outwardly in accordance with one's inner feelings. There's another one there. Now, this is just one of many competing stories out there about the good life. We can see in our modern world, but I think we can all agree that we can't escape this insistent dream of making our own way, making the world the way we want it, on our own and on our own power. It isn't a new idea. Um, This is a voice of the snake in the garden, Genesis 3. For God knows that when you eat from that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So in other words, you will have all the power to do it your way. You call the shots, and you define your own reality. Ooh, guys, that idea has a name, and we call it sin. That's rebellion against God, evil. Church, there is a much better way. But we need to identify what we're working with. Now, community is what we see throughout the Scriptures. So the biblical view of God, humanity, and reality is anchored from beginning to end in community. Let's just look at the whole Bible briefly. First, the foundation and source of all reality is the Trinity, the Trinity. God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They exist eternally as a community of love. God is community. it's Just a bit of a hard one to conceptualize. It's true. Then we hit Genesis 1 and we have, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So we're crafted in the image of a God who refers to himself in the plural, a Trinitarian God, a God of community. And shortly after that, we have the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We then flash forward to Abraham, where God makes a covenant with him, but with the intention of turning him into a great nation, again a great community, the nation of Israel. And God plans to bring his goodness to all nations through that chosen community, not through one powerful individual. And then we hit the wisdom literature of the Bible. In Proverbs, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Or in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one, a quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. And then we come to the paramount, Jesus. And as he begins his ministry and surrounds himself with layers of community. So he's surrounded by crowds of thousands. He has a herd of disciples. He sent out 72 ahead of him in pairs to teach and to heal. So he must have at least known those guys. There was 120 in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came. But then of those, he selects 12 apostles modeled after the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he has an inner three, Peter, James, and John. Oh, love that picture. Um, But the disciples are a bit thick, you know? In my Western individualistic mind, we would expect that God in the flesh, of all people, would find it easier to just get the job done himself. But no, that's not his way. He surrounds himself in layers of intimacy and community. Then Jesus commissions his followers to carry on his work in community. The church, here we are. Paul uses the metaphor of a body to shape our view and our role in the church. In Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Strong words. Same in 1 Corinthians. So the image of the kingdom of God uh, carries on into Revelation. And in Revelation we see a radiant city housing the diverse nations of the world in unity An eternal community forever to the glory of God. So, from the first words of Scripture to the last, it's clear that we were never designed to go it alone. God Himself doesn't go it alone. Community is a core trait of God and therefore of us, His humanity. From practicing the way, we become a community of love and depth in a culture of individualism and superficiality through the practice of community. So, that's where we're landing today. Now, this is a matter of wisdom like doing what works, but it's also a matter of submission, obedience. You know, do you trust Jesus? Do you look to Jesus as your Lord? And if we do, then we'll submit to his ways. And he lives in eternal, faithful, loving community with the Father and the Spirit. He modeled that during his time on earth, and he invites us into that now today. So then we hit part two. Uh, Community fuels transformation in our lives. And That's why we have layers of community here at this church. Here we have our Sunday morning gathering. We also have various social gatherings, home churches, upper cliques, and huddles. Uh, There are many ways to build community organically outside of these structures. I know that. And they can be very powerful, actually. But let's be honest that without structure and some external accountability, our own efforts at building rich and intentional community are often not as deep, not as regular, and they often dissolve over time. So the Bay Vineyard structured communities are our focus this morning. Those reasons. Uh, let me just stick with me here. Let me give you an analogy. Ultimate frisbee is my favorite sport. That was me in my younger days. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two teams of seven tossing a frisbee, which is actually called a disc, to get it across the goal line. You've got teamwork, you've got strategy, fitness, strength, heaps of movement, leaping catches, endless room for technique and skill with those various frisbee throws over the head, behind the back, underneath. I played in a summer league in Calgary, where I'm from, and during the week, I was always aching to play, but I had no teammates nearby. So I would literally throw a disc alone in a field. I was aiming to throw far, so I must have been a sight. I would launch the disc all the way across the field. I would run after the disc, turn around, and throw it all the way back, and run back and forth. I can huck the disc, so it was a long run. Just to say, I was motivated, man. I wanted to improve my performance at the next game, and I loved that sport. It's a good image. You won't forget that, will you? Now, there's no league in Napier. There's no ultimate here. So there's no throwing. I won't be out in the field chasing the disc. I still love ultimate very much, but with no game in sight, I have no motivation, even though it's a sport I love. Now, as soon as I have a team, a reason to practice, and someone to train with, man, I'm going to be off and away I need that accountability to show up. I need teammates to learn new skills and new throws, because the teammates can do things I can't do yet. And if they love Ultimate, I learn to love it more too. And there's practical support on a team. I sprained my ankle badly a week or two before we left Canada, coming to New Zealand, leaping around at a trampoline park at a farewell party. Hobbling. It was not good timing. Uh, One of my teammates was a physio. And he saw me for free, he helped reduce the swelling, he gave me tips on how to speed the healing, and I wouldn't have had any help on my own. It was too expensive and too hard to book a week before we left Canada. So Christian community is just the same, guys, except it's fueled by the Holy Spirit. So I can see four things going on here. Number one, accountability for practice and training. There are practices and habits and ways of living that can be learned, and skills that can be developed, but why practice when there's no game to play? So Jesus calls us to learn his way of life in community. Two, we've got different people. There are people on my team uh, who I didn't choose, but I learn from their different style of play and their strengths and weaknesses, and it's the same in the church. Three, there's a contagious love. Pick a sport that seems weird to you, Ultimate Frisbee, water polo, cricket. Try watching a few games with a wild enthusiast and you'll come around. Uh, being in community with others who love Jesus is like blowing on embers. You know, a fire that's about to grow cold can be brought back to a raging flame with a few breaths and a breath, uh, a bit of fuel. Same here. Practical support is last. The deeper you're embedded in community, the more support you have when things go sideways for you, which they will. Alone and isolated, you're in big trouble. Juggling kids, work, health, home repairs, relational drama, stress and anxiety on your own is It's hard. Now, Sunday morning right here is a great place to start, absolutely. But the richer pastoral care happens through home churches and beyond. Come on, hands up. Who has been on the receiving end of a meal roster at some point in their time at church? Come on, put the hands up. There's heaps out there. It's beautiful. Now, community is the incubator of our spiritual formation. As Dr. Joseph Hellerman put it in his writing on community, long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible Of genuine progress in the christian life people who stay also grow people who leave do not grow we need community to grow so i want to encourage you and myself with two of these four from the list i want to dig into accountability and dig into different people so here we go let's talk about accountability Uh, for practice and for training because that can sound at odds with the gospel right which is a good news story of unearned grace brett so beautifully shared this morning Jesus saves us on no strength of our own. But there's a flip side where Jesus saves us from sin, but then he saves us to something else. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Jesus invites us to follow him, to learn the way of Jesus, to become his apprentice. And following Jesus, being with him, becoming like him, doing what he did, involves learning and developing skills and practices. Right? It's not all head knowledge and believing the right thing, because even the demons have that covered. We learn to do things, and we learn to become a particular kind of person. To pray, to be still, to meditate on the words of scripture, to study, to practice Sabbath, to be hospitable, to fast. All sorts of practices that Jesus embodied himself. So tune into the last three talks to get more on that theme. But this is where community is key. Try sticking with a new habit or a new practice alone. And your chances are not that great. But with accountability, hugely increased chances of success. Just have a look. Sam shared this before. Uh, the Association for Talent Development found that individuals have the following probabilities of completing a goal. Having an idea, 10%. Consciously deciding that you'll do it, 25%. Deciding when you will do it, 40%. Planning how, 50%. Committing to someone, 65%. But having a specific accountability appointment with someone who you've committed to, 95%. Friends, that's why AA and Weight Watchers work. Accountability is the secret sauce for these incredibly effective organizations, and that is what fueled the Wesleyan revival, the regular meetings of the Holy Club, asking hard questions, many others. This is why Jesus literally lived for three years with his disciples. So working on a new practice, trying to form a new habit on your own, it's a coin flip at best, 50-50, according to these guys, whether you'll stick with it or not. But crank that up to 95% with specific accountability appointments. Man, that's the kind of community we're after here. We call them click and huddles. So that leads into number two. What's this about different people being good for me? Let's talk about that. A community, by its very nature, presents us with opportunities for growth that we would otherwise totally miss. A community with people who are not like you address weaknesses, blind spots, rough edges in your own character. Oh, yes, we all have them. And people who are not like you teach you to love. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. It's from Jesus. Or in the Proverbs, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Like, if I spend time with people like me, I just stay the way I am. Now, I'm full of easy love for my family on my birthday when they let me have my way, they make me breakfast, they do all the chores, feel like a love champion on that day. I'm just like Jesus with these people. <laughs> yeah, but then somehow an irritable person the next day, when their best behavior goes back to normal, and that's called training, right? It can't be my birthday every day. I'll never grow. So that's why you don't get to choose who comes to church with you on Sunday. Look around the room. You don't get to hand pick who sits in your living room for home church. The people next to you at Upperclick Click might be like chalk and cheese, and that's good because some of these people... Are weird and irritating you are probably weird and irritating to some of them and I may be weird and irritating to you right now it's okay community is hard and it sounds like a detractor right but it's actually the selling point that's what precipitates growth these challenges and a love for Jesus is more than enough to hold us all together from Dietrich Bonhoeffer the person who loves their dream of community will destroy the community Because it doesn't work that way but the person who loves those around them will create community so important so that moves into a couple more challenges guys one now simply being in the presence of other people is not what we're talking about here we need vulnerability and honesty are required so spiritual power cannot flow when people hide and pretend to be someone that they're not from john tyson god cannot transform the person that you are pretending to be and that can be really intimidating vulnerability because while it opens us up to deeper relationships and growth, it also opens us up to being wounded, and probably has in the past. And it's true that the greatest wounds come from relationships, but also the greatest healing. And you want to fast track a friendship, be vulnerable. It invites vulnerability from others, which then bonds people together. So after that, just um, contemplate carefully. You know, because this is difficult, we must choose community. You must choose community. It's intentional. It doesn't happen on its own. Our natural tendency is to slide into superficial and independent living. And so we have to work against that inertia. But the more deeply you engage in community, the greater the opportunity for growth. Nobody will speak for me, and nobody will be vulnerable for me, and nobody will grow for me. So it takes ownership and initiative and courage. Yes, but the results are fullness of life. Yes, Ryan, I'm with you. I love community. I'm in it. I'm loving it right? Um, That's really good. But I do have one more thing to say on that point. Can I suggest that community does not exist just for me? Imagine a Sunday morning gathering like this, where each person rocks up like a little baby bird in a nest, mouth open, eager for a feed. Who's going to bring the worm, right? A room full of people looking at each other in expectation. Obviously, nothing happens, right? That's not community. Now, this community is not a self-serving operation, Communities provide an opportunity to serve others. So, you are the member of this community who is going to nourish somebody else this morning and weeks to come. Which is why it's really helpful to remember that spiritual formation has been defined by uh, the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's a process of being formed into the image of Christ, absolutely, but for the sake of others. Because Jesus is not interested in adding his name to the title of your self-actualization program. He wants to shape us into people who love others for their sake, for his sake, for his glory. Think back to our Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Not keep your knife near a good honing steel. It is in each other's shadows that people live. Not find a broad-shouldered friend like Brett and set up your camp in their shadow. Right? Let those who are with me be healed. Now, it's natural to ask, well, where is my spiritual nourishment? But look behind you. You know, look beside you, even this morning. You are the fuel for their growth. These are your brothers and your sisters and mine. And we have a responsibility for their well-being and growth. God empowers us to do it, absolutely. But he empowers us to do it. You're the fuel for their fire. Paul saw this really clearly, and you can see his words to the church on the screen Uh, It starts with his words to Galatians in the message. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you are badly deceived. And onwards, he says. And it's not just like being in the church is meant to be hard. This is how God works. He's made us in his image, right? The son of man came not to serve. Sorry, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. God clothes himself in flesh and comes to us. And as Brett said, he serves us. Heals the sick, touches the lepers, washes feet, befriends sinners and tax collectors. And that is the posture at the heart of the gospel. Jesus gave himself for us. He's our model. He invites us to do likewise, to serve each other in love. He said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So the challenge is to look around you on Sunday morning. Here we are, in your home church, in your upper click, in your huddle, um, wherever you are. Could you deepen your genuine and loving interest in the lives and growth of others? Could you ask more thoughtful questions? Could you listen more attentively? Could you deepen your prayers for others, corporately and privately? And could you serve others more wholeheartedly when the need arises? Um, There's a beautiful positive feedback loop here because you grow when you feed others. And it's a generational thing too. It's very exciting, spiritual generations. Because your growth is important, but it's the next generation that will carry on the faith. So how are you growing the next generation? It happens in community. Imagine when God's kingdom comes fully. Okay, use your imagination here and completely dwells among us. We're surrounded by the glory of God's presence and his, his, he dwells among us. And you look beside you and behind you and you think, who will be standing there with you? You know, who's joining you in glory because of your time, attention, care, love and discipleship? Right? Are you standing alone? Are there a few people? because there can be a great crowd, right? The one you invested in and the one they invested in and the ones they invested in, stretching out in all directions, right? It's a beautiful image. Whether on Sunday morning, home church, upper click huddle, who's around you right now who's hungry and ready for someone to fuel their growth? Older, younger, appear, you know, where's your man? Where's your woman? Just start with one. Let's get practical. Just consider a story of my friend Bruce Campbell. Bruce is there in the red sweater, Bruce, can you just give us away? it's Bruce. Um, Bruce joined our home church over a year ago, and at first he was really sporadic with his attendance and really silent, he only said a few words here and there, and I've asked permission, (laughs) he said that's okay, I can share his story before you get all uncomfortable out there. Um, But over time, home church became more consistent for Bruce, and he began talking more in the small groups at the end, we often break into twos and threes. And a few stories came out, and it turns out that he struggles with mental health issues and has highs and lows in his days. And then beyond Sunday morning in home church, he started coming to the evening prayer meeting. And then he asked for a huddle, and we started a phone call every Wednesday afternoon. And at first, he only really spoke a few dozen words to me on those phone calls. But then he brought his family over for dinner during 100 tables. More stories came out. And through all of these small steps, trust has grown between us. Vulnerability has increased, and now our weekly phone chats Uh, They flow quite freely, and we talk about mental health and prayer and about family. And Bruce is a very interesting person. The stories that come out of this guy, uh, he loves the Lord, he can pray with fervor and power, and he has stories of answered prayer. But it's our phone call each week that keeps him motivated to get up early and pray. So Bruce chose community, one step at a time. And we grew in intimacy and vulnerability, and we hold each other accountable now. And Bruce would probably be lost in the darkness of mental health and isolation. But for those first steps into community, he said, I'll join a home church. He said, I'll ask about getting in on a huddle. And he just came to Upper Click this past Thursday. So can you imagine Bruce and I seeking each other out as mates anywhere outside of the church? Right? Jesus draws people together, chalk and cheese, makes magic happen. Just take the first step. That's what we're on about this morning. Now, communities like that are actually quite hard to find out there in the world, yet yeah, we have them every week here. Sunday morning, home churches, upper cliques, huddles, let's treasure them. Which leads us into the last part of our message today, which is communities here at Bay Vineyard Church. So just consider those with maturity and initiative can engage in this kind of community organically, right? It's totally possible. But without structure, this kind of intentional community tends to be less frequent and less deep and with people more like yourself. We need structure. We need to be pushed to do what's best because what's best is often quite hard work. So we here at Bay Vineyard are really intentional about how we structure our communities. We have layers, right? Outer layer, Sunday morning gatherings. Here we are. We follow the church calendar to orient our year around the keystone moments in Jesus' life. We explore a book of the Bible each year. We look at spiritual practices. We provide a space to encounter God and worship. The communion table, prayer ministry, it's genuinely amazing. But let's be really clear, Sundays are not enough. So there's the next layer in. There's social gatherings here, like Golden Vintage and Mums and Bubs. Bernard and Val Harrison, they lead a monthly social gathering at a cafe for the 60-plus crowd, the Golden Vintage. And the second Thursday of each month is when they meet. And they foster friendship and fellowship and encouragement. And there's a potential here for this golden vintage crew to come together and use their wisdom in time to serve the church in all sorts of ways in the coming months. So talk to Bernard and Val if you're the right vintage to join them. Give us a wave. Bernard, where are you here this morning? There they are in the back. Or Mel McKinley. She has led a Bay Vineyard Mums and Bubs group in the past. and We'll probably kick that off again. Mums and young children. Accept invitations to people's homes. Invite people to yours. We build community. But then we go beyond social gatherings into our home churches, which I would say includes youth too. Let's go youth. Um, Now, home church is born when a person or a couple or a team offer to lead one. And they communicate with Karen, our new church admin. In case you didn't know, June is no longer the church admin. she stepped into a different season of life. And Karen, come on, Karen, hand up, is our new church admin. Talk to her. Um, And once once someone talks to them, Uh, to Karen, and gets the thumbs up from senior leadership team, we have a new home church. And they host a weekly meeting for a small group, roughly 6 to 12, and start shoulder tapping people to join them. And to be fair, yeah, we are a little bit picky about who leads a home church. You know, we need willing people, yeah, but the right skill set, the right character, um, people who embody the culture of this church. But we're not looking for perfect people, so of course, have a chat. And there are key features in home churches. There's relationship. You get to know each other, ask interesting questions, tell jokes, tell about your week in your life. Because our goal for home church is that members continue to grow in vulnerability and intimacy, which binds people together. But two, they focus on practices and formation. Home churches primarily teach the practices that shape our life with Jesus, like prayer and Sabbath and solitude and fasting. Many home churches in my past focus on Bible study, which is important. But you can know all that stuff and still not do any of it. So... Bible study can also tend to keep vulnerability at arm's length, I've found, as you tend to focus on the academic study of the text. Again, important, but we focus on practices. So we have some in-house modules that we wrote ourselves that are available on our website, but we also have modules by big names like Brian Heasley, uh, Pete Gregg, John Tyson. There are solid resources there. But the cream on the cake, guys, is that John Mark Homer runs Practicing the Way, and they're churning out free modules on nine different practices on their website. And they're mint, world-class stuff. Video lessons, leader guides, workbooks, accompanying podcasts, suggested reading. So far, they've released Sabbath, prayer, fasting, and solitude with a discipleship course on the way and generosity coming up in August. So, connecting with a home church is a natural next step in building community. But we keep running into a wall there because it's hard to connect people into home church when there aren't enough for them to go around. So, we need more leaders to start new home churches here. Is that you? We go deeper still, upper clicks and huddles. Huddles and upper clicks are designed specifically to hold us accountable to our chosen practices and to foster intimacy. So upper clicks are larger groups that meet once a week in the morning. There's an open invitation to those. You just come. There's a men's group. Uh, so there's two men's groups and a woman's group. And you can see their meeting times here. And there's a predictable life-giving routine at these meetings. There's a catch-up, chat, banter phase. And then we shift into how'd you go with your chosen practices that week, followed by what fruit did those practices bring? And then what are you going to do next week? And honesty is key in that place. It's okay if it's crap. Brett, thank you for your sharing this morning. It's really important to be uh, honest. But it's also awesome if you're going strong, of course. But the culture of these groups is about growth. So we don't come to find out who has the most impressive weekly practices, biggest halo. We come to share our individual next steps for growth, reach on our own journey. And for some, that's simply starting the day with a short prayer instead of looking at their phone. For others, it's like 90 minutes of prayer in the morning and a weekly fast. You start where you're at, but the pool just keeps getting deeper longer you stay in those groups. And when you know you have to tell the crew exactly what you got up to last week and that they will lovingly hold you to account, then it is that much harder to sleep in on Monday morning. So huddles are really similar, but they are groups of two or three. And a huddle is born when somebody takes the initiative to start one invites one or two others to join them, and then takes the role of huddle leader to maintain the culture of that group. So Jen catches up with the female huddle leaders once a term, and myself with the male huddle leaders to meet any needs and keep the huddle culture strong. Now huddles are meant to connect once a week, and the structure's flexible. You can meet in person, phone call, video call. Um, The weekly routine is really similar to the upper clicks, but with fewer people, there's just way more room for greater intimacy and deeper sharing, more specific accountability which, again, brings greater opportunity for growth. Now, that kind of vulnerability, because might, you might be like, oh, that sounds really hard. Um, it is. It's hard work to be vulnerable and accountable. Let's be honest. But it is so rich. You know, the relationships and growth in these groups are really a treasure. So if you want to start one, man, today's the day. This is part of the reason we have this slip of paper here today, which I'll talk about more soon. Now, on the huddles, the wheels did fall off some of our huddles last year for a few reasons, and it's helpful to talk about them. One, fuzzy leadership, right? If no one takes up the mantle of championing the culture of accountability in that huddle, the catch up slide into banter and more superficial chit-chat, and you lack uh, the specific sharing that holds the power in those groups. And also, if the leadership's a bit fuzzy, the weekly conversations can slide to uh, once every 10 days, once every two weeks, and eventually they can fizzle out. Because really, it's just a 10-minute phone call once a week, and it really changes your life. So we've added some additional braces to these huddles this year. Uh, Three... One, each huddle really needs a clear leader to champion that culture of that huddle. And we'll catch up with you once a term to support and encourage you in that role. Uh, second, we've updated a written brief about the huddle culture and what's, how they work with tips and, um, and some specific ideas. And that's on our website. The website is popping up here in a sec. You'll see where you can find that. But there's also a printed copy on the table here if you want to read it in person this morning. Uh, that really helps understand how huddles work. And then last, we'll, we'll aim to have a conversation with each new huddle leader to cement what that looks like in their huddle. And so again, you can do this on your own, right? You can make relationships outside of church, but without some external structure and accountability, it just tends to lack the same depth. So let me talk about... Um, yeah, it may, it may or may not be obvious... But these communities are not created equally in terms of depth and therefore growth, right? Here we are Sunday morning. It's amazing, it's good. Sunday gatherings are a key part of our faith. But it's kind of like the free version of the app, guys. A really good app, okay, but it's still entry-level stuff. First level of the video game, you know, driving in first gear in a way. There's chats here and they're great, probably even some deep ones. There's prayer here, probably even some deep and powerful ones. But the time frame and the structure limit Our vulnerability and intimacy, right? You can't have an intimate chat with 150 people. And you cannot mature and grow into the person God envisions you to be on a community diet of only Sunday mornings. It just doesn't happen. They're good, but you need more. So that's where home church and other gatherings like Golden Vintage and Mums and Bubs shine, because you can go deeper. But you can more or less remain a fly on the wall in a home church if you choose, Right, you can keep quiet and other people will fill in the gaps. You can share a few curated bits of personal information and avoid the harder questions. And that actually may be realistic at first, um, and that's fine. Hopefully the group will build trust and draw you out. But that fly-on-the-wall stuff, that superficial angle, is really hard to do at an upper click. Your turn will come as the sharing moves around the table, and it's really obvious and a little awkward if you hold back and speak in generalities there. Somebody will call you on it, you know, lovingly, appropriately. As for huddles, man, good luck hiding in a conversation between two and three people. So, again, the more deeply you engage, the more the opportunity for growth. And it takes ownership and initiative and courage. Yeah, but the results are just fullness of life and growth. Through the work of the Spirit in these groups. There's also an expectation here. You know, we we here at Bay Vineyard Church that call this church home, we do expect that you would be in at least one of these communities. Now, if you're in a healing time or a difficult time or in a season of rest, then please be at peace, of course. But if life is relatively normal, then we really want to normalize involvement in one of these layers of community beyond Sunday morning. Right? We, we expect it because we really care about you. We care about your future spiritual generations and we care about this church as a body. We, we need you. So there's an invitation this morning and it has a few paths and this is where the slip of paper comes in. So, are you already connected? Sorry, are you only connected to the Sunday morning gathering? We're so glad you're here. Would you consider joining a home church, the upper click, a huddle? Would you consider leading a home church or a huddle? Awesome. Are you already in a home church? Would you consider joining upper click or a huddle? Would you consider leading a huddle? Maybe you're already embedded deeply in these communities. Well, then would you consider how you can love and serve and disciple within that community even more richly, even with just one person, right? One man, one woman. Who are these people for you? This morning, I want to give us some time to reflect. What is the Lord's invitation for you? Because we really don't want this to be legalism or one size fits all, right? We want to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit as he speaks wisdom and life to you. He knows just what you need. Now, is it possible he's suggesting some leadership? because we need people to lead right we need home church leaders and huddle leaders and we know there are people in the room or people listening online who are capable of leading a home church please where are you we need you if you're a good fit they will be rejoicing in heaven and in luke buxton's heart because he helps run the home churches now there are also people in this room who knows they could do a pretty good job of leading a huddle you know where are you we need you The member of your future home church, your future huddle needs you. And the church needs you. Jesus needs you to help this church flourish, really. And there are barriers, of course. Yeah, too busy. Anybody can resonate with that one. I don't really have time to be a leader in that group. Community takes time, energy and margin. It's true, you cannot, uh, especially in a leadership role, right? You can't be hurried and do community well. But if you're too busy for this, can I just encourage you to think that maybe you need to say no to some of the good things that are not the best things, right? Maybe that means disappointing some people. But take stock of your commitments and may the Spirit guide you. And your current community can probably tell you what you could change if you ask them. Too busy. It can be dealt with. It's a matter of priorities. Two, maybe you just didn't know how up to now, right? Maybe you're the one who's been longing for deeper community for weeks, but maybe you're a bit new or you just didn't You weren't sure how to plug in here at Bay Vineyard Church. Man, today is a day. Giddy up, guys. That's what the paper's for. We will sort you out. Uh, Number three, and really importantly, you might be genuinely scared, uncomfortable, right? Have you been listening to some of the things I've been suggesting with a bit of dread? Leave me alone. Community's dangerous. Community sucks. Because as we talk about community, you may be feeling pain or wounded, right, or anxiety or fear. Probably everybody does to some extent, but some of you that may be leading this morning. And, and of course, I can't sort that out with clever arguments. Um, you need the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to bring healing to that, to give you courage. Because we need to be honest. Relationships cause often our greatest pain, but they are also how God brings about our greatest healing, right? You can avoid certain pain by avoiding community, but you will also remain unhealed. So here we are this morning inviting you, like Bruce did, to start small. One small step towards greater intimacy into community. I found this piece of artwork. Um, Just look. Look at how his strong hand just reaches out to you. Uh, Let me just, on that theme, let me pray. Um, Holy Spirit, come and bring Courage and healing. Uh, Holy Spirit, redeem any wounds that have been caused. Please empower us in the room to take a step. Jesus, meet us. Meet each one and bless each one with fruitful experience of community. Lord, redeem past hurts. As you did Peter in the sinking waves, lift us out with your mighty tender grip, Lord. Especially those suffering pain. Wounds, anxiety, and fear. Lift us up with your mighty grip, Lord. I just want you to tap into your imagination here, guys. Imagine a future Bay Vineyard Church where each layer of community that we talked about is full of wildly different folks, all looking to Jesus and looking for ways to help each other grow. I mean, it really would be a taste of heaven on earth. Iron sharpening iron, sheltering each other's shadows, healing others in your presence leaders giving sight, followers giving life. This is where we're going as a church team. As I close, we're gonna, I'm going to say the words of this prayer uh, over you, and then I'm going to invite you to stand and say this prayer with me. Um, and then I'll give you a chance to, to reflect using these pieces of paper here. Let me pray. These are from the words of St. Francis of Assisi. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Would you stand with me? Um, It's a big prayer. So if you don't feel comfortable praying it out loud, that's fine. But if you do, uh, please pray this with me once again now with your own voice. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek. To be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we're born to eternal life. Yes, thank you. Grab a seat, guys. It's just power to stand um, and make a commitment in a moment like this. Let me wrap up with these pieces of paper, guys. There's three things you can do this morning as we close our time together. One Would you please reflect, what is the Lord's invitation for you this morning? You know, what is your next step? On this piece of paper, there's some options of things you could do. And all we're looking for this morning is it's really helpful to know who's keen on what. Who's keen on a home church? Who's keen on a huddle? Who's keen on what? Um, Write your name on the paper. Put your contact information. Tick some boxes. In fact, if there's some more information you want to add, add it onto the paper. But if you take that paper with you, It is useless because we need to know who you are. So if you fill out that paper, please just uh, either give it to Karen yourself or there's a box on the table there. Yeah, remember right? The little house. You can put it in there. Never mind. There's a tray, a silver inbox. Please put them there. We would love to connect with you and help you with this. Reflect on that. Ask the Lord what he's inviting you to do. Two, this, this invitation is genuinely about less and not more. So you might need to consider what needs to go Right? What do you need to say no to? Who do you need to disappoint but to make space for community? Because you've caught the vision for how powerful it is. Con- contemplate that. This is the time to do that. And last, do you need some healing? You know, are you feeling those wounds from past community experiences, past relationships, and they're holding you back from community? I want to offer you this morning, um, in, in conjunction with Luke's earlier offer, would you please come up here? Uh, I'm going to offer in a moment to close our service. Come and stand or sit in the front and someone will meet with you and pray with you about your past wounds. As you saw in the image, Jesus is here. His hand is there. He wants to lift you out of your pain and bring you into wide open spaces and invite you into community. Um, so let me just end with a, a short prayer and then we'll, we'll move into these different phases. Uh, Jesus, I just thank you for your gift of community and for your model of community. I just deeply pray this morning. Would you speak clearly to each one? If you're inviting them deeper, show them what it is. Give them the courage to take that step. Lord, if there are those who need to be less busy and say no to some things, again, show them clearly and guide them in that next step. And if there's healing that needs to happen, Jesus, you are here. Bring healing to these people. Give them courage to come for prayer because you work powerfully through the prayers of others. Amen.